great news is, is when we call out for that, God shows up. And it's not always in ways that we expect. It's not always in ways that we, we want. But it's in ways that we need a lot of times. As I was climbing up Casa Grande, um, there was this guy, Doug Cooper, uh, who was with us. Doug's older than I am. He's in um, probably about as good a shape as I Although he has two perfect Achilles tendons, um, as I kept, actually they kept using that excuse for me. Well, Crocker, you're on like one and a half Achilles tendons. I'm like, I know, this is amazing. Um, but one other thing Doug was doing is uh, he was the best at um, just going, keep going. Crocker, it gets flat right up here. I'm like, really? He goes, no, but you'll keep going and you get up here. So just keep going. And I think that's a perfect picture of how we are to be with one another. Hey, the finish line's right over here. Keep going. Is it really right around that corner? Yeah, I'm not so sure. But it's there, and we know that when we get there, we win. So keep going. I'm going to stand behind you and push you for a second so that you can make it over this little lump. And then when we get to another place, if you wouldn't mind reaching down and pulling me up, This is who we are as the body of Christ. Together, seeking the face of God. Together, moving through a world where waves come at unexpected moments. But if we stand together on that trail, if we support and encourage, we will continue and make it to the top. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time of worship, God. We pray that as we enter into a time of teaching that our hearts would be prepared for where you take us. We can see you through music and through song, and we can also through you see, see you through word. So, Father, we pray right now that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing unto you. We thank you and praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. I could have gone on and just done that for my sermon, but I have other stuff. Good morning. My name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. We're very excited to have you with us on this uh, Pro Bowl Sunday, right? No, just kidding. Um, Am I fired up for the Pro Bowl? No. So uh, a couple of announcements before we uh, move forward. One is uh, this coming Friday uh, is the first Friday in February, and we'll be having our second installment of the lab worship service. It's at 7 p.m. here in the CLC. There is child care available should you need that. Um, it was a really cool experience last month, um, and we would love to have you come and join us. I think most of our uh, regular worship team uh, are going to be here uh, leading us. We're going to have uh, the artist um, that was painting last, uh, last time uh, back with us, and then also Marianne Hollingshead, who uh, has did these crosses, is going to be here um, as well painting. Uh, she doesn't know what she's going to do because she told me, she goes, Michael, there's like 50 to 70 layers on those crosses. And it takes hours and hours in between layers. I was like, hey, Marianne, I trust you. Um, You're the artist. If you just come and do a stick figure uh, the way that you do it, it will be awesome. So uh, so we would love for you to come. uh, If you have questions about it, talk to me. Uh, The second thing is uh, coming up February 12th. It's rodeo time, people. And as always, our own Daryl Lord Smith. Yes, that is his middle name. is going to be playing at the Bud Light stage. <laughs> Woo! Yes, Daryl Smith and uh, and and the Smiths. Um, I don't know the uh, Chapter Three band. 
We'll be there at uh, December, uh, February 12th. It's the, the night that Casting Crowns is playing. Um, and so Daryl is opening for Casting Crowns. Casting Crowns doesn't know it. Um, but he'll be out there right outside the AT&T Center at the Bud Light Grounds. You don't need a ticket to the rodeo to go and see and support Daryl. You just need grounds tickets to do that. Uh, and if you hang around, what happens is Casting Crowns actually opens for Daryl because Daryl comes back out and plays after they're done. That's right. Casting Crowns. Who are they? Uh, so we would love to have you come and support uh, Daryl. And uh, if you ever want to know what Stacy sounds like when she sings, she sings there. There you go. And then the last thing I wanted to say is get on the city. If you don't, if you're not on the city on online, please do it. Um, because here's why we have a lot of information that we put out and a lot of things that you may have questions about that guess where you can find the information on. Wait, did y'all hear that this is the first service? Um, yeah, on the city, you can find out on the city. If you're scared of computers, don't be, we can walk you. Uh, Daryl can help you. Stacy was signing people up in the back after the first service with her laptop. Um, and, and so please get on the city. We disseminate all kinds of information there. You can get connected uh, to the different groups that you are a part of. And you would have known that Lois Tverberg, that's right, Lois Tverberg is coming to, uh, to do uh, a, a seminar here. She is one of the authors of two very influential books to our community. Uh, in the dust of the rabbi, following the dust of the rabbi and sitting at the feet of Jesus. Um, she studied in Jerusalem for a long time. And it takes a look at uh, the Jewish roots of Jesus and how that affects us as Christians in the body of Christ. Um, and if you know anything about our church, we're kind of into that. Knowing who Jesus was um, and, and his faith helps us understand our faith and who we are. And so she's going to be here on a Friday night, a Saturday day, and then she'll be speaking in the sanctuary on that Sunday morning. Uh, it's in February, like 23rd, that weekend, whatever that is. So there you go. We are in Exodus. Daryl last week uh, took us through Passover and through um, uh, the, the worship, the first worship service, as he called it, the first time that uh, God gives us these directions for worship, painting the doorpost with blood on the inside of the door because it was an instruction for the Jews, um, not for God. And, and, uh, and he talked about the fact that, uh, and this is such a, a beautiful thing, that the stories that, that happen in the text, they're ours. It's us. It's, our, it's not our history. It's our memory. There's a difference in that. History is just something you know. A memory is, is something that's part of you. And he, and he told the story of that little girl, Ruby, um, who, who understood these stories to be her own. And because of that, it shaped who she was. If we begin to see the text in all of the text as, as part of who we are, it begins to shape who God wants us to be. And the story of Exodus is one of those momentous stories. It's a story that's just this gigantic um, um, story that's known by people um, everywhere. Hollywood really likes this story and does a lot with it. And, um, and it's this story that shapes us into who we are. And today we get to this really interesting um, part of this story. Uh, chapter 12, verse 33. Pharaoh sent for Moses and Aaron during the night. Leave us, he cried. Go away, all of you. Go and serve the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds and be gone. Go. But give me a blessing as you leave. All the Egyptians urged the people of Israel to get out of the land as quickly as possible, for they thought we will all die. 
The Israelites took with them their bread dough made without yeast. They wrapped their kneading poles in their spare clothing and carried them on their shoulders. And the people of Israel did as Moses had instructed and asked the Egyptians for clothing and articles of silver and gold. The Lord caused the Egyptians to look favorably on the Israelites and they gave the Israelites whatever they asked for. So like a victorious army, they plundered the Egyptians. Yes. So what's that all about? So here's what happened when, um, when the people of Israel leave Egypt, they rob them, right? Hold guns up and go, Hey, I'm going to need everything you have. And we're leaving. Now, if you know scripture in Genesis, um, chapter 15, I believe it is, this is a fulfillment of a prophecy that happens. The prophecy is, uh, your people will be enslaved for 400 years, but, uh, at the end of that time, I'm going to liberate you and you're going to take with you the wealth of the nation that holds you fulfilled. God gives Moses these instructions. When you are leaving, just go to your Israel, uh, your Egyptian neighbors and go, Hey, we're leaving. Um, can we have that? The Egyptians are like, yeah, I love you, Reuben. Sure. So what's going on here? Because uh, on the surface of this, it seems kind of like inhospitable, rude, mean, horrible thing to plunder. The Israeli uh, commentators on this will tell you, the Jewish commentators on this will, will say that it's reparations. It's payment for 400 years of slavery. 400 years, the people of Israel had been enslaved by the Egyptians. And as they are leaving on their way out, they're like, hey, it's payday and we're going to need everything you have. Two times Egypt has tried to, two times that I know of, Egypt has tried to get um, the money back. There's one time during Alexander the Great, they attempted to recoup the money, uh, the gold, the silver that was taken. And Alexander the Great basically went, no, y'all kind of deserved it. Another time within the last five years, within the last five years, a group of Egyptians took a case to a world court and sued the government of Israel for all that had been plundered. And the world court basically said it was payment. Here's the cool thing about this. It acknowledges the fact that it happened. Isn't that cool? The world, this world court that has nothing to do with Christianity, Judaism, whatever goes, yeah, you had them in slavery for 400 years and then they took their payment. Get over it. So here, here's another way uh, to, to look at this. When God has these people go and they're, they're taking all of this gold and the silver and these clothes and all of this stuff. Anybody ever been in the desert? Okay, last weekend, as, as, as you just heard, I climbed Casa Grande out in Big Bend. Um, it's, it's not the most um, lush of climates out there. It's a desert. And, and at moments when um, I wasn't hallucinating or spinning around, um, like about to fall, and I could catch a breath for a second, when I would stop and I would look out over this, um, this land, I, I just couldn't imagine Walking through it as we were driving, we stayed in Marathon and we would drive into the park and it's like an hour and change to get into the park from Marathon. And and you're just driving through and there's just nothing out there. Every so often there's like this house and you're like, 
what kind of Branch Davidian person lives in the middle of nowhere? Just nothing. And I had this idea, and I asked the guys in my car, I'm like, could you imagine what it would have been like to be one of the first people to cross this desert on, like, horseback? I mean, what would you do? And this guy goes, it would be so awesome. I'm like, really? Because I don't see water anywhere, and you don't know that the river's over there if you're coming. I mean, like, wow, there's no maps. This would be really hard. And so as I'm climbing up this mountain, and all of these thoughts are going through my, not really, the only thought going through my mind was, just keep going, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. Um, I was, I, I just had this vision earlier this morning of, what if I had been laid up with all kinds of other things? What if at the bottom of Casa Grande, um, the guys who are there, hey, hey, Crocker, we know you have all that water on you. That's great. Um, but here's like 70 pounds of gold. Here's another 80 pounds of silver. And here's a whole bunch of robes. Have fun. <laughs> I would have been like, you know what? I'm just going to sit right here <laughs> and wait until you get down. Could you imagine how hard it is for the people of Israel as they are fleeing to be laden down with this stuff? Have you ever thought about it from that side? Because here's the thing. We know what happens to them. What happens to them? Forty years wandering around in the desert. Just wandering Showing up at a mall going, hey, I like to buy. No, there's no malls. I mean, you're just in the desert, but you have all this gold and silver. Yay. Hey, I got this beautiful cup. It's made of gold and has all these jewels, but I have nothing to put in it because we're in the desert. And it's heavy. I mean, on the, on the face of this, you see that, that God's like, hey, here are all this, this wealth and these riches and this, and you're just getting paid for everything that you have, your people have ever done 400 years, but now you're stuck with it. Oh. So what does God do? God uses it. If you fast forward a little bit into the story of Israel, when God, Daryl told us last week that the first worship plan and everything was going on through Passover. God takes it a few steps further as they're in the wilderness. And it begins to shape for them who they are as a people, not who they were, but who they are as a people. And it begins to set out these plans for his tabernacle, his plans for this worship space. And what does he do? Take this many yards of fine linen. Hey, we actually happen to have some linen that we took from the Egyptians. This is going to come in handy all of a sudden. Hey, take all of this gold and melt this gold into this and take the silver and make this and do all these things. And all of a sudden, that stuff that you've been carrying for 40 years, is you're like, well, this is all of a sudden useful. Way to go, God. Thanks for not leaving us out here hanging with heavy stuff. But God takes what was used in Egypt to oppress. It was their wealth and their power. And he changes it into something to be used for his glory. John Wesley says this, that uh, they were taking the best of what was used in the culture and reclaiming it for God's purpose. Taking the best of what was in the culture... And they're reclaiming it for God's purpose. This sign of oppression, this sign of power. 
is now used to liberate and to free. Now, something else that's happening right here is Egypt is being wiped out. They're being cleaned. Egypt never recovers. In the history of Egypt, they never get to the point of power that they were then. If you think about it, that destroys them. Yeah, in a couple of weeks, we're going to hit the Red Sea, and that's the finishing move. But right here, this right here, when their wealth and their power goes, it takes away all these things that they were worshiping. It takes away these idols, and it leaves them with nothing. But if you know the history of Egypt, you know that a great movement of Christianity sweeps through. That the reason we are the church we are is in large part due to what happens in Egypt. The history of the church is strong there. God is cleansing something and bringing his restoration in a way that's unexpected. Let's go back to the people of Israel. The people of Israel take all of these goods and these wares, the silver and the gold, and they, they go into the wilderness and God begins to show them that we're using these things that used to be for some other purpose and we're creating something beautiful and wonderful and magnificent out of them. Use the best of the culture. But here's the thing. The best of the culture were the people Israel. The most valuable thing that left Egypt in the Exodus... Not the gold and silver and clothing. It was the people of Israel. Look, we can go at it from an economic standpoint. You take away the entire workforce of a country, it's going to collapse. But then you take the spiritual standpoint. And what God does here is say, it says this, you were slaves But you were the most important thing in that country. You kept the economy going. You you moved it forward. The reason they came to power is because a Jew. Thank you. Is everybody caught on yet? Okay. Is because a Jew named Joseph. Listen to God. And allowed God to work through him so that Egypt was ready for the great famine. (sighs) Rise to power. And when they leave, crash. The most important thing to leave Egypt were the people of Israel. They didn't understand that. They didn't know that. God said, you once were seen as slaves. You are kings. You are sons and daughters of the Most High God. Taking what was the most important thing in the culture and restoring it into what it truly should be. The question I ask all of you is, are you still in Egypt or have you moved out into the wilderness? Are you still under this assumption, this understanding that, that you're something of this world and that your worth is seen in what you bring to the world? Or have you moved into this understanding that your worth is who you are in God, that God created you, that you are a son, a daughter of the Most High God, 
God wants to reach into your Egypt and pull you out and say, you're not a slave any longer. You don't live under oppression any longer. You are free, free because my son came and guaranteed it. Do you understand that you are the most important thing in our culture? That you are the most important thing in this world because God created you. Man has created a lot of things and has done some amazing, crazy stuff. But he can't do this. He can't create life. God created you to be glorious and magnificent. God created you to be a daughter, a son of the most high king of kings. If you don't have that understanding yet, if you haven't fallen into that identity that you are worthy, that you are not enslaved to the world, that you are not oppressed by the things of this world, that the waves that come cannot knock you down, We need to have a talk. Because from where I stand, I see royalty. I see people that are so much more valuable than any gold or silver. You know, and it it says in the New Jerusalem that the streets are going to be paved with gold. That doesn't mean that they're going to put the... It just means that gold is just like street pavers. Who cares? We are the ones that have value. We are the ones that have strength. We are the ones that have the ability to move into a world of darkness and bring light. We are the ones that have the ability to climb those mountains and reach the top and turn around and help one another up and push each other along. We are the ones who have the power. We are the ones who are no longer slaves. We are free. We are sons and daughters, heirs to the kingdom of heaven. And you know what? If we get going strong enough, we just might part a sea. If we get going strong enough, we might bring an end to hunger, an end to thirst, an end to violence, an end to oppression, an end to slavery, which is at its greatest moment and number in the history of the world. Today, there are more slaves. If we understand who we really are, the world cannot contain us. It is said at the book of John, John says that if we wrote everything that Jesus ever said or did down, the books of the world could not contain the information. And I say this, if we allow ourselves to be used in the kingdom of heaven, there is no amount of media that could contain the things that we could do. But it begins by us leaving Egypt. It begins by us taking the value from captivity. You are worthy. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the life that you've given us. We thank you, Lord, for the fact that we are sons and daughters. God, I know we don't always feel that way. I know we don't always accept it or understand it. God, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to grasp hold of that today. 
I pray that if we've never really thought about ourselves as being worthy, that today you would break through. Today you would give us a new understanding of who you are, and so a new understanding of who we are. Take us from where we are today, Lord, and move us more and more into who you long for us to be. God, we thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.